This is The A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jan Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. We always want to thank uh, Central Works, uh, Jan Leifler and uh, Gary Graves. They're involved in doing a, they're doing a production right now. Yeah, she's but- in it. Yeah, I know. I was telling you about it. So uh, we want to thank them and also our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara, for helping us out. And we bring back Kim Donovan, birthday girl, Kim Donovan. Happy birthday, Kim. (laughs) Thank you so much. I would have expected you to say, hey, listen, it's my birthday and I'm rehearsing for Dot and I'm doing other things. So I'm sorry I can't do anything, but you took time to speak with us. So thank you so much. How are you doing? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. I I love you guys. I I would absolutely spend my birthday with you. Hey, we, we are truly blessed. Uh, we won't go into an origin story because we know your story. You are originally from Florida. You went to school in New York. Uh, you've um, been here. I think you had spent some time in Chicago too, right? No, no, no Chicago. Okay. I mistook you for someone else. But right. you've been involved. I mean, you Dirty Butterfly, Stage Kiss, all the way. I think you were LBJ's wife in, in all the yeah. way. <laughs> of course, you were our Ellen and Foreman in Paris. You've been doing all sorts of things. You're doing the Leviathan Chronicles, mm-hmm. and you are a um, a casting director. You start up, a, I think, your own company, KSD Casting. Yep. So that is awesome. We'll talk about all of that stuff. Uh, Norman, how is your week? And uh, I'll be seeing you in a couple of hours oh, for the Baldwin yeah. Project. In fact, I just got a message from one of the actors saying, "Hey, can you pick me up at Bart?" I'm like, "Ah, yeah, no, it's been." <laughs> It's been not all Baldwin this week, but it's a lot about Baldwin. In fact, I'm probably throwing a last piece at you for uh, the uh, Giovanni's room. Oh, sure. Finished doing, I've been doing about a month and a half of a teaching gig at Richmond, not Richmond, Redwood High in Larkspur. Mm -hmm. And it started off three days a week. And then the teacher was like, could you do these other classes too? Could you do Romeo and Juliet scenes? Like, sure. So it's been five days a week for the last two weeks, and I'll be so happy to be off the road. <laughs> it's always cool. I'll do with myself after today. Yeah. Kim, have you ever thought about teaching? You'd be a great teacher. I, uh, I love coaching. I do coach quite a bit. Yeah, you're a vocal, you're a, uh, vocal, vocal coach, right? Yeah, but I, um, t- the, the amount of time it would take for me to pull together a class plan. <laughs> stops me stops me from going for it there's so many other things going on and I just uh, I get very shy about um, teaching but I love I love coaching I love working with folks on monologues and voiceover auditions and yeah I just I love that one-on-one time yeah, I definitely want to talk about that. Uh, there, we had another uh, guest on. Uh, you weren't around, Norman. Mm-hmm. Oh, shucks. It was, uh, Joyce, Joyce DeMonico Hump. And she talked about being, I think her day job is working with individuals who have um, disabilities, uh, vocal disabilities. Um, huh. And we talked about uh, things that, you know, that both of us study, like resonators and articulators. And I'm sure you get involved in that a little bit too, don't you, Kim? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. There have been um, some current events. I try not to bum us out because, I mean, there's just been a lot of, um, well, the Olympics, I don't know. People are saying that the Olympics have been very disastrous. Um, We saw a 15-year-old Russian girl just cry her tears out because 
she was caught doping. I'm sure that had more to do with the Russian Federation, who she represents. Yes, exactly. And because of the backlash that she received, of course, from Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff, she uh, flopped. I mean, she was like the number one figure skater. And then because of the controversy, I think she placed like fourth and she fell a couple of times and she was just crying her eyes yeah, out. I, I saw the clip last night. God, yeah. That... It, and then you have Eileen Gu, who is American born, but yeah. she represents China and people are giving her grief about that. So, I mean, we're very, very hard on. Hey, did she get the gold? That's that's all that counts. Yeah. No, she got several gold. I mean, you know, she's right. one of the great uh, skiers of our time. But um I get the sense that, you know, the Olympics have been hard, especially on women, young women. I mean, uh, there was an article about how uh, Asian women are treated. And um, it's just uh, I just wonder, you know, what's going on. And, yeah, the Olympics were, you know, it's coming to a close, but mm -hmm. it's um, it's gotten it's it's, you know, has has been good. I also saw a neat story about. Um, so the social media thing you probably have heard in the news, they told folks if they were going to not take their phones or their computers to get a burner phone um, because the Chinese government is oh. everybody's business. Yeah. Uh, and so they did a, the Chinese government, I assume, or the Olympic, you know, the mm -hmm. host, um, talked to all the athletes about what the social, what the media culture was in China. You know, they tried to put a neutral spin on it, but basically kind of said, this is what's going on here, but you guys get, so it turns out the people in the Olympic village have a lot more connectivity. They don't have the censorship that the regular Chinese populace has, oh, goodness. And, but they've all been told the talking point so they can talk about that. Oh no, I wouldn't want to do that. There was one, yeah. I think she was a skier who was known for talking about human rights abuses. And she's like, I'm here to ski. I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those uh, dicey things. And the NBA went through it a couple of years ago because there's a lot of money to be made in China, but you don't want to piss them money. off, but you don't want to acknowledge that there are human rights abuses that go on. And they did, and they got kicked out. That was not good. Yeah. Did you guys have a take on... Um, San Francisco basically voted out three board of supervisors, school board of supervisors, three school board members. Um, yeah. It's as if, you know, they overhauled everything. I mean, I'm not a parent, so I have no idea what's going on, but a lot of parents are frustrated. Well, this is all about COVID-19. Some people are uh, adhering to, you know, let's get vaccinated, let's keep masks. I still wear a mask when I go to work, but people are being very, very frustrated. Kim, I know you're a young parent. I mean, you have a, um, a son, right? Yeah, I do. He is uh, turning eight in a couple of days. Uh, and uh, Berkeley, the Berkeley school system has been pretty on top of it. I mean, his his whole life in school, he had half a year of kindergarten and then COVID hit. Oh, he's one of those. Okay. Yeah. And so he was home. He was home for almost all of first grade. He went back to school for, I think, like four weeks at the end of first grade. Um, and this is his first year actually in school and Berkeley, you know, keeps the parents out. We're not allowed on campus. Uh, the kids are masked. They're having a ball. There has been no super spread. Um, they're tested once a week and, uh, I, I couldn't be happier with, with how they've handled the whole thing. And I know that's rare, um, I'm also a, a parent who, you know, I did my research, my kids vaccinated, we're mask friendly here. So uh, I have a very different perspective on it than I think 
the, the parents in San Francisco. What about, because um, one of the issues that came up with this is those kids, um, like Mara is, what grade is he in now? He's in second now. Yeah, Mara starts recorder with second graders. Typically, that's the typical pattern. These kids have not been acclimated to the classroom in the same way that they would have been before. And I try to not use pejoratives in all this. They're saying they're not developing. And I'm like, no, they're, they're kids, they're developing. They're not being socialized in the same way they were socialized right. before. And the system needs to adjust to that. Have you run into that at all? Absolutely. I, um, you know, it, it's fascinating watching Elliot navigate social situations at this mm -hmm. age. He is my only child, so I don't have any other experience except this one. So I don't know what's abnormal. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I mean, kids are resilient as hell. I mean, you they adapt so much better than we do. And so I'm also watching him excel. And yeah, last year, there were parents that uh, were a lot more hands-on than I was. I can see where he is, you know, where he's falling, where he, where mm -hmm. he's lacking. I think we, we focused more on fun last year because we were all stuck in the house together. Right. Um, and I wasn't a taskmaster with, with uh, homework. Um, and that's what we needed to, to survive. So it's funny because the kids are in wildly different spectrums in terms of how they were schooled last year how it was handled at home and how it is, uh, how that's translating to the current classroom. It's, it's, we all have to have so much grace with each other. I'm so proud of his teacher. She's a uh, shout out to Luba Hancock. She's amazing. Um, Cause she's handling, you know, 22 kids at insanely different levels, not just education, but, but social. And uh, it's, it's been um, it's been a wild ride, but I'm so proud of everybody. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have to understand that teachers aren't just teaching the curriculum, but they're also dealing with the behavioral issues if there are any issues. And you know, some kids are handling really well, some kids are not handling it really well. Yeah. And I have, I just get a feeling that there may be a few parents who are acting like Karens who are like, hey. <laughs> My kid is, I'm tired of, you know, having my kid wear a mask and what's going on and can't we just open things up? And of course, it's pressure on parents, especially have to have, have day jobs and they need school to sort of be a sort of caregiver. Yeah. Right. Because if the, if the kid is at home because the schools are closed down, it forces the parent to come out of pocket to pay for someone to watch over their child or they have to stay home. Or they have to stay home. But I think the thing in San Francisco is partly it's a power grab. It is very much being funded by, um, it's their biggest funder. Oh, you are, think conservatives are funding it? Conservatives are funding it. It's the biggest funders are the folks that have been doing the charter school, the push mm. for charter school stuff. This is their attempt to get into the school board by getting three progressives out. Yeah, you know, I talked with a, a lawyer friend of mine and he was saying that I think one um, school member said that, I don't know, had made some derogatory comment about the um, the parents who were, saying that one parent, they were acting like Nazis or the Gestapo or something like that, so. Well, they did overreach. I mean, the whole changing the names of the schools. I, I, we want to have this conversation, but when you try to make Abraham Lincoln and George Washington villains, you're going to get pushback in America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
especially in light of uh, President's Day holiday, which is um, on, on Monday. But um, okay, so I tried to squeeze in some fun stuff. So a Georgia <laughs> woman faked her pregnancy to get paid leave, and this was her third time doing it. Her third time faking oh. it? Yes. It's okay. <laughs> oh, so those I, are some fierce donuts happening outside of Norman's house. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Oakland. But um, yeah, <laughs> I so was this thinking recently that that hasn't been happening very much, but uh, oh, the donuts. We're yeah. Well, it's a I mean, thing here. Yeah. Well, the weather's wonderful, so you you know people are enjoying themselves. Yeah. So this George, so this woman in Georgia, she works for a I forget where she works, but um, she. She wanted to get, I guess she wanted to get leave and she went through the rig and roll of uh, faking a husband and having the husband call and faking a doctor and getting leave. And I think after the third time and after what get how much money she time? made out of it. Yes, yeah, three times, three times she did this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know, I thought that was a, a bit hilarious. And also a California nun uh, will get a year in jail for stealing $835,000. <gasps> she was also a principal at a school and she was mishandling funds. So, and she said, I think during her sentencing, I have sinned, which is like, <laughs> no duh. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, she does not suffer from hyperbole. <laughs> right, exactly. And uh, the very last thing is the, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the Capitol Steps. That was, that was a comedy yes. troupe in Washington. They were former aides of Reagan and they would do these skits. Sort of like Saturday Night Live. I didn't realize they were Reagan aides. Oh, geez. Yeah, this is back in 1985. So they have, they are basically, they have shut down. Uh, they, um, they mentioned COVID-19, so they can't perform live anymore. But also the political climate is just too hostile for yeah. them to give middle, you know, uh, middle of the road right. humor that everybody could laugh at themselves. I mean, you know, even Reagan enjoyed the skits where he was being lampooned and, you know, he had no problem with it. But um, immediately after Trump and even now with uh, Biden, I guess just with the polarization, um, the Capitol steps after I think 40 some odd years are shutting down. So it just shows how um, poisonous the political climate is even now. So it is what it is. That was weird, that's weird. I mean, I, I very quickly, I didn't realize they were Reagan folk, but uh, I knew that they were boring. I mean, they were too middle of the road. It was just too middle of the road. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a, of an earlier generation. I think Generation Z is like, eh, you know, um, <laughs> I can get this from YouTube or, you know, I can get this from Saturday Night Live or something like that. So in but any I case. I know that PBS used to, um, to uh, not host them, but uh, to, you know, make, uh, promote them. Yeah, I used to get a lot of promotion on on NPR, and I was like, hmm. yeah, "Okay." <laughs> so with that, let's talk about Kim. So, uh, Kim, the last time that we, I think, we may have been in the middle of rehearsals performing in Paris the last time that you were on, and you had just finished oh. doing Dirty Butterfly, and you've done so much since then. Um, so now, are 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 you transit? Well, I guess you're not transitioning because you're still involved in. Let's talk about Dot. So, um, how okay. are you enjoying the rehearsals for Dot? Uh, oh my God, well, Pete Coleman. Yeah. Woo! It's so good. It's so good. It's been, um, you know, it's been a hot minute since I I've been in rehearsals, but those shows have all been canceled. Right. Right. And so this is the first time I am, uh, you know, knocking the rust off, and I see it. I see it happening. You know, we were a few weeks away from opening and 
uh, I um, I'm reading the script. I'm I'm trying to break this character, you know. And uh, boy, that man is a writer. Because just when I'm like, I can't figure this out, I read a little before or a little bit after, and it is all right there. It is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's a gorgeous play. And um, Kimberly Ridgeway and I, we were in all the way together. Oh. But uh, we didn't have any scenes together. So we've right. been trying to get on stage together for a while now. So this is kind of our first foray into actually getting to act opposite each other. So I'm super excited about that. And, um, and Sean Jay is directing. Right. And uh, man, he, he makes you work. There's no... Um, so this is There's... basically a yay production. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, and also uh, you you're acting with uh, Lorenzo Gonzalez. I think he calls himself Lore now. Lore, yeah. And yep. Um, he and I were on stage. I'm hoping I'm getting the pronounces right. Uh, uh, I, he's, I, it's they. They, okay. But uh, um, Laura and I, we were on stage for um, oh shucks, uh, Stories High, the very first Stories High. Oh. Uh, so. It's like, wow, all these individuals that I know from different parts of my theater life are together. Yep. It sounds like, now it sounds like Dot is, it's a mixed family, right? It's a mixed family and everyone's going through certain issues. No, it's, um, it's, a, it's a black family in Philly. Uh, I'm playing the, um, you know, the, the white girl who grew up in an all black neighborhood. They're my, my second family. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, nice. And uh, Dot is, uh, is in, uh, early stages of dementia, al- Alzheimer's. So um, it's it's the family coming to grips with that. It's the holidays, you know, so everything's chaotic anyway. Um, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's brutal. Um, it's very real. It's a, it's a gorgeous um, slice of life into a family trying to cope with all of this and, you know, external family as well. Wow. Um, the, yeah. the chosen family. Uh, so it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's a blast. It's hard. Um, it, it's this particular group of people. Um, they're so full of joy and they're so eager to work. And it's just so nice to roll up my sleeves and kind of dive in with them and see where it goes. You know, there's a lot of structure, but there's also so much play. And uh, I, I miss, I miss having to be on my toes like that. I miss, you know, it's, it's, I remember doing Dirty Butterfly while in rehearsals for Four Men in Paris with you guys and um, just feeling high as a kite driving from one to the other, right? Like slamming my brain and body into these different worlds. And uh, it's just nice to be back to that. It's so good. No, that is awesome. And yeah. um, it sounds, yeah, it sounds like God is fantastic. I mean, it sounds like a slice of life. It reminds me of, you know, like my family or the families that I'm uh, used to yep. where, you, there is adversity, but the family works very hard to stay at its core, to stay together and to not be affected by what, what you know, outside elements that, that go on. So, no, that is awesome. Now, yes. were you recruited or did you audition for it? I mean, um, I, I had to audition. I did uh, a reading of it with Sean Jay uh, in uh, the middle of COVID. Um, and then uh, NCTC picked up the show and um you know i had to i had to fight for it 
I was nervous that I haven't been that nervous in a long time. I didn't want to let Sean Jay down. And, um, I just really, uh, I really wanted the part. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes when you audition, there's this sense of like, well, it'll be mine if it's mine. And if not, you know, I'm moving on to the next thing. Right. And this one was, uh, I mean, it was electric under my skin. I was, I, uh, I, I wanted it. Yeah. And you got it. And, you and got I got it. it. I know I'm, I'm super excited. And, you know, we're in that, that messy stage of rehearsal where, um, everything feels, uh, you're in the swamp, right? You're like in the fog of it. Pieces are falling into place, but you're fighting to get it all aligned. And, uh, yeah, I just, um, I can't wait for people to see it. We're, we're just, we're working so hard and having a ball. Yeah. Now oh, it'll be both streamed and live. Is that correct? I don't think they're streaming it. I think it's just, I think it's just live. Just live. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. That's, go ahead. Their safety protocols are, um, are fantastic. Yeah. What are they doing? We, um, the actors are, we have to get a PCR test every week and then we have to do a home test every week. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're basically tested twice a week and, um, they've got, you know, all of the, all of the tech that kills all the airborne everything. And um, they are spacing patrons out, they're limiting seating, they're, they're you know, taking days out of the run. It's, um, they're, they're taking care of us as much as they're taking care of their patrons, which feels lovely. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, and I'm so glad that New Conservatory, you know, they're, they're taking the precautions of bringing back live theater. There are a lot of companies that are like, well, the hell with it, we'll just, you know, we had, um, we actually had um, Anton's well. Um, um, yeah, Robert. Robert, we had him on and it was sad to hear, you know, him saying, you know, we, there's not an awful lot that we can do and we'll have to, I think he's going to curtail the season until maybe next year to see if things get better. Um, so there's some companies that have really faltered because of COVID-19. There's some who are like, we're going to do what we can to get to make theater live and to continue it going. And it's, it's very encouraging. So, so I'm glad that, uh, that, you know, you guys are having fun uh, doing Dot and, and all of that stuff. Let's talk about KSD casting. What, 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 um, <laughs> why, why did it uh, occur? I mean, how, how did, did that it pop happen? Yeah. Um, woo. This is an accidental business. You guys, I, um, <laughs> yeah. I left Pixar and, uh, you know, I, I helped produce a performing arts festival in San Francisco. I was producing a documentary. I, I was all over the place. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And it was the first time in my adult life that I didn't have something lined up. So it was terrifying and exhilarating and, uh, folks started leaving Pixar and kind of creating their own studios oh, wow. and they reached out for help. So at first casting was me half-assedly helping out friends, you know, find the right people for parts. And it lined up with me starting to do theater again. So I was, I happened to be meeting beautiful theater folks out here and could push them into voiceovers. It was fantastic. And then um, I started getting handed around and then uh, I had to 
step up the adult portion of the business and be a professional human about it and, you know, lock in some procedures and a database and, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and now it's just, it's, it's happening. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just in a place with it where I no longer feel like I'm chasing it. There are opportunities coming and and I can take them and know that I have the the capabilities and capacity to do it beautifully um whereas before you know the first few years I was just running after a thing that I was good at but didn't quite know how to do so um it's nice it's nice to feel it all slam into place and still have it be exciting because every day is different and the rolling stone part of me needs needs that. I was so scared to lock into a casting business, but the things that I cast are so wildly diverse and mm -hmm. the stories are so different. And my God, can I get involved in your story, right? Like that's my, that's my passion. Read your that's stuff cool. and then I get to matchmake and find you the right people for it. Ooh, I just... I, I love it. So it's a, it's a great job for me. And I feel very lucky that it, it formed and that I stepped into it the way that I did. Cause I very easily could have run away from it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's great. It's, um, it's a little intimidating at times, but I just keep, <laughs> I just keep going. We'll see. It sounds like it found you. I mean, you know, some people yeah. pursue a job, but sometimes you do something and all of a sudden this thing that you do that you thought was just going to be a temporary thing grows and grows and grows. And it's like, oh, wow, this has become a thing. And usually yeah. it's a good indicator that you're good at it and, you know, that people do come to you. And I don't think if you're going to be a casting director, be one who is also an actor, because, you know, if Kim Donovan, you know, suggests somebody. It's like, well, hey, you know, Kim Donovan is a fantastic actress and she's been on stage with this person. I could trust what she says rather than a suit saying, well, this person looks right for the part or I saw this audition. Yeah. And you That's don't know. Yeah. And I think Norman and I, we've talked about that where casting directors can sometimes destroy a production because they cast it the wrong people. Yeah. Well, I would think. It's more the producers, honestly. I, I've known so many casting directors who want, like diversity, for example. Um, I auditioned for, um, what is it, Skin of Our Teeth, which is, mm. you know, this comedy, um, Thornton Wilder, the- uh, Antrobus family, family, yeah. Family unit that goes through history, you know, from prehistoric time, Fred Flintstone, all the way up to, I think, 20th I think, century? Yeah, I think World War II. I was yeah. I was in one production of Skin of Our Teeth and um, MFF with Alan Coyne, and, uh, where he well, plays like so a little mini Hitler, yeah. I auditioned, and I'm looking at somebody who, like there was some little Latino dude who's also auditioning for the same part, some white dude who's auditioning for dad. And I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and I love that because that is somebody kind of flexing that casting muscle but I think more often than not, you get casting directors go, have you considered this? Have you considered that? And the producers may have a very narrow idea of what they think they want. And unfortunately, that's, you know, you don't have, I don't know how much latitude you get with that as a casting director. You do fight, um, you do fight the institution quite a bit. You fight uh, preconceived notions of what a character looks like. 
not just skin color, but size and shape and ability. And um, it, it can be even now very frustrating to fight um, what someone has in their head. Yeah, even cliches like attitudes. Yep. The, the good thing is I've been working with people who are um, really open to, to change uh, and to um, fix mistakes that they've made in the past. And um, I just finished a season. I was just casting for um, 42nd Street Moon with uh, yeah. Nick Ishimaru was my casting partner. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I was really proud of them for being so open, for pushing the line, for really trying. I mean, they're really trying to change how they see things and how they cast things. And a lot of companies are all talk in that vein. Yes. So it was nice to actually let, see people step back and let us bring them talent that they weren't anticipating. And not only that, to have them embrace it. So I, um, I walked away from that frazzled. It was an intense <laughs> job, but it was also, um, uh, it, was a, it was a great experience. And Nick's wonderful. I don't know if you guys know Nick Ishimaru, but no, um, he's, he was, he's my opposite in so many ways. And we hadn't met before working together. And it was just uh, a, a joy to, um, how our differences played into making the same job work. Yeah, I had a quick I, question. I had yeah. a quick question for you, Norman. Um, do, what, the yings and yangs of casting a show. Let's say you're directing. Well, I mean, like the Baldwin Project. I mean, you're lurking for actors all by yourself. But let's say you had the budget to have a casting director. Would you prefer to do it all by yourself? Just find the people that you want to work for, or would you have, let's say, a casting director? I'm wondering what they're, the yings and yangs of having one re- rather than a company just well, trying so, to do it by themselves. For me, it's not like it's, you know, it's not like the casting, it's not like I say, hey, you know, fill this, fill these slots and the casting director just does it. There's a conversation that has to happen. What's great about having a casting director is getting that other perspective and, and just honestly, somebody who just stays organized these are the people that we saw. These are the, you know, this is all the information that you need to know about this person. This is their availability. This is what they can do, can't do. Um, this is why, you know, they might be a good fit. You know, you want this other person. That person that we saw that you maybe felt meh about would be a really good fit with them. You know, that being able to have that conversation, I find is wonderful. I, I couldn't imagine just saying, here, go cast my stuff. And that wouldn't be fun. Uh- uh, for me, that would be terrifying, right? To not have that open dialogue and to not be working with someone because you don't want uh, you don't want casting to happen in a vacuum. That's uh, that's right. horrible. Even with uh, voiceovers, if I'm casting, um, uh, you know, a bunch of one-liners, the small parts, that's yeah. still um, uh, I'm never going to just do that for someone. I will make recommendations and and show you why I believe in this person, but I would never come to you and say, here's the four people covering these, you know, 80 lines. Right. It's not, it, it's not helpful. Right. And, and also, fun. yeah, so go what ahead. we're doing with uh, Foreman in Paris, uh, Foreman in Paris, what we're yeah. doing with this James Baldwin project. Um, and what I just did, um, the teaching that I just did doing scene work, 
Romeo and Juliet has a lot of characters who are just in one scene or in a few scenes, and it's easy for the actors to think, like I had a Friar Lawrence, who really was just sort of checked out. He's like, well, no, this scene is really between Paris and, and Juliet. I'm like, no, you are the most important person. You have power in this world. Your character has power. We need to see that. Yep. And you've got a girl who just pulled a knife and said, if you don't help her, she's going to kill herself. You've got to talk her down. We need to see that. We, But you can't just say, well, here's the solution. You have to find that moment of, oh, I, I'm worried about you. I'm trying to connect to you. And now that I've got your attention, I got to come up with a solution. Now there's a cop parked in front of my car. Um. Yes. But, uh, you know, it's interesting it, just talking about because I never really thought about the, you know, the role of a casting director. But I guess there's like three things you have to be. You have to be sort of a an advocate for the people that you have, the um, the <clears throat> actors and actresses that you have in your Rolodex in your mind. Hey, I think I know someone who could be good for this and that and the other and advocate for that. But also you have to understand the play and understand the concept of what the production is going to be about and also a great administrator I, I imagine now kim do you also do you sit in on the auditions and the sides and and the cold reads and things like that i i um i try to um it's so important for me uh in the moment and also for future work if you know um auditions are so intimate and sometimes you're seeing the best of someone, but you're also seeing um, all of their soft spots as well, right? It's it's oh, a yeah. it's a it's a traumatic, beautiful experience to come in and audition for something, and so it it helps to have a patience and grace as someone observing, right? Because you you understand you've been in that situation, um, but also. The more I sit in, the more I'm included, the more shows I go see, the more Zoom work I watch, I can tell you, you know, hey, that was that was nerves. I've seen them do X, Y, and Z. Like, let's 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 bring them back just for me. Mm -hmm. Bring them back. It, it's not a waste of time, you know, and so you fight for um, strangers. That's also the funny part of this job is folks will never know um, the amount that you go to bat uh, uh, for them, right? right. Uh, personal relationship or not, if, if I've seen you, if I have touched you somehow in this process, um, I feel a little responsibility for you, for how you are treated, in the room um, for how my communication lands with you. Mm -hmm. uh, I try to, to take care of you because I, I am also an, an actor. I, right. I get it. So there's, there's an empathy having been on all sides of that desk. Um, yeah. I know how to care for the production team. I can look at a director and know where their stress level is. Um, I can be grout in an audition situation and know that the person who's handling the talent maybe needs a little help, right? Or we need to speed up the process somehow. Uh, and I think it's so important for a casting person uh, to be to be able to morph, to wear different hats in, in the heat of the moment. I think a lot of 
casting directors sit back uh, and don't participate at that level, but uh, uh, you got to roll up your sleeves. You've got to get to know people. You've got to know uh, that this person can be pushed beyond what you've seen them do. You know, there's, uh, there's something very intuitive about it. And uh, I just, as you can tell, I, I love it. <laughs> oh, no, it's awesome. It's awesome listening to you. And I'm sure if you're watching, let's say you're talking with the director uh, uh, and they may get a sense, okay, this is how I can work with this person or this is how, because it sounds like Kim has a personal relationship with whoever the actor or actress is. The director may have a snapshot judgment well, I don't know if this person's right for it, and you will advocate for that person, but also give the director a sort of tell, okay, this is how I can approach the person, or this, these are the personalities, because yeah. you're almost like the agent uh, for that person. So it's very interesting, and it's funny. Uh, so in a couple of hours, I'll be meeting up with Shay Angela Aceveda as we do the Baldwin Project. He's also involved with this. Mm -hmm. And I remember when he was on the Yay, we were talking about how we were advocating for Shay for Plethos to 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 be in Foreman in Paris, where Plethos was like, well, he's a bit expensive. And we were like, no, 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 we want him. So the advocacy for an actor, even when the actor doesn't know what's going on, is a wonderful thing. So it is um, it is the what happens when an actor leaves the room, what happens before they enter? I mean, we all just want them to succeed, right? Like you want whoever is walking in to, to be the person. That's just the situation. But from an actor's point of view, it's very different, right? It's a, um, you, you feel like you have to prove yourself. You feel like you have to, and whereas really um, we are auditioning for you as much as you are auditioning for us. We're all seeing if we're, if we're the right fit. And um, it's just trying to, make sure that everyone feels taken care of. And I love that my bigger jobs, my flashier jobs, my animation work, my video game work, all of that enables me to keep a foot in the community, in the theater world, because um, that allows me to spend time casting for theaters that allows me to that allows me the time to give recommendations. I get calls all the time from people trying to cast something and they're in need of an actor. And uh, I don't mind, I don't mind giving that information for free because I've got my foot in this other uh, sturdier world of casting. It's, it's worked out rather beautifully for me. Yeah, and so good to get to merge yeah. my theater loves with my voiceover loves and, mm -hmm. you know, someone who's never done a voiceover before and giving them a quick like, okay, when you walk into the booth, let's, <laughs> let's pretend like we've done this before. This is what it's like. This is what it feels like. This is what you have to do. This is how you push. We act with our bodies and to right. learn how to still your body and push all of that movement out of your throat that's a hard, that's a hard, hard thing to adjust to. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I clearly, I love it. I get quite passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go ahead go ahead, Norman. I was going to say, how do you, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> how do you keep up with the talent pool? Um, and that's a thing I always think about with casting directors. 
you probably have a fairly full plate or, you know, how much are you able to get out and kind of see who else is out there that maybe you're not aware of? So, um, thankfully because of COVID people are also streaming productions or recording productions in a way they haven't before. Um, I don't know how much of this I'm allowed to say, but I can beg if there's a show with people in it that I don't know, um, I fight, I fight to see it. Um, I, I look at every, uh, casting notice that comes up. I look at every uh, cast list that pops up and I scan it. Like, who is this? Have I seen them? Have I not? I cold call. Um, I have no problem bringing someone into a, an audition that I've never heard or seen before, mm -hmm. but I know they were affiliated with a production, with a production team that I love. Right. Um, and I wish casting directors and theaters were more open. I think right now we're all clutching at people. Right. And we're clutching at the same people. Yeah. And if we took a minute to hand folks around, we would all be benefiting. Uh, I had a beautiful um, casting conversation with NCTC just about, you know, their process and um, how we find people, um, also had a conversation with a um, casting director named Chris Brown, who does um, video games and animation. And I felt so lucky to be able to actually talk to someone, share people and have it be open as opposed to this thing that we all do where we're just hanging on to our people and we don't want anyone else to have the name. And that doesn't benefit us. It benefits me when folks that I know go out and do things at other places and their name gets bigger, right? It doesn't benefit yeah. me to, to, to hang on to people and not share them. I, I need you to go off and have other experiences. I, I need you to work for other companies and, and get that resume up. Um, yeah, it enhances your name because if you yeah. say Joe Smith, yeah, you know, I helped Joe Smith do that. And they're like, oh, Joe Smith. Wow. He's doing this and that and the other. It enhances you. He says, wow, you know, these are, this is the clientele that Kim has. Yep. That's fantastic. There's a great company. Um, can't believe I'm about to plug another casting director. Uh. Uh, Aura Casting. It's all online. It's um, mostly commercial work. Mm -hmm. And any actor who's listening that's in the Bay Area should sign up for their database because it's uh, he gets great work. It is all online. You submit your auditions online. Um, uh, he reaches out to you. He'll reach out to your agent. Um, his name is Taylor Lambert, I think. Uh, and it's a very different business than mine. But it is a great thing for every actor to do is to audition for genres that you don't know how to audition for. Mm -hmm. To put yourself through the process of a self-tape, to put yourself through the process of a voiceover audition, to all of a sudden you know, have to shave your legs on camera for a commercial audition, to, to just experience all of that. It just makes you better when you audition for the things that you actually love. So um, yeah, I just, I think, I think everyone needs to um, also 
I would like to say if a casting director reaches out to you and says, please audition for this and you look at it and it doesn't seem right for you, mm-hmm. do it anyway. There's a reason. Right. They might be asking you to audition because there's something else coming up for this company later. They might be asking you to audition because you're trying to break the stereotype that the producer wants that we just talked about. There's a reason I'm never asking someone to audition for fun. Yeah. And even if you're not picked up, they may remember you and that, especially if you have something online they'll have that and they can, you know, use it for something else in the future. Just get your name out there, get your face out there. I am NDA'd to high heaven on all the stuff that I work on. And so me asking you to audition for something may also be me saying, hey, I need you to practice because I've got this other thing coming up that I can't tell you about. Yeah. And no, this isn't right for you, but I need you to get used to your mic, to get used to your phone, to, to try. Because yep. I believe in you and I'm going to need you in a little bit. Yeah. I, yeah. Had, a quick, I had a quick one. side of, of casting director. Yep. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I was going to ask you about the business side of it. I mean, how do you negotiate? I don't know, contracts. Uh, I don't know uh, if you, when you work with a company that wants to, you know, use you to cast you people. Um, <laughs> I, um, so I, I work in many different ways. I um, was doing a big show that lasted several seasons. And so they hired me for a couple of years and then um, put me on retainer when they needed new characters um, or, you know, we were in a situation where kids were uh, aging out of their voices. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to make sure that I was around in case they needed to, um, you know, re- recast a kid. Um, I- I've done it that way. I've done it hourly, um, which, you know, I never recommend hiring a creative person hourly because they will spend all your money. We don't stop. Right. Right. There's no, <laughs> our brains are always going. Um I have been hired by project. I, um, I take into consideration where your company is in the process. Are you a startup? Am I casting your scratch because you're trying to get funding for, you know, a a bigger project? I'm, I, I have seen all sides and levels. So I have the freedom luckily to, to work with you on, on what you need. I can, I can serve a not-for-profit as much as I can serve a only-for-profit yeah. art situation. So it's, it sounds like it's not, it, it's, it wasn't a, cause a lot of art, you know, a lot of artists, cause there are folks who will be watching this. Of course, we'll have this on YouTube and listening to this and they're like, wow, I want to, I want to do that, but they won't know how to, let's say, handle the, um, the contract negotiations, or let's say, well, you know, this is my salary or whatever, this is what I'm looking for. But it sounds like that, that's not a a big issue for you. It, it, it was, and it is, I mean, money, of course, is important to all of us. Uh, It's a shame in the arts to have to handle it as much as we do. Um, But uh, I think in this industry, Um, I think across all industries, we are so cagey about admitting what we make. Right. I also 
um, I could do a whole other hour with you on bid culture and how horrific it is and what it does to artists and how it allows people who are already established and have money to underbid so they just keep getting the work where people who actually have to take the job to eat don't ever get to express their creative selves because they're constantly being underbid. Yeah. Uh, I I was just going to say, there's also the concept of value. You have a value, you know, even if, you know, um, I I just want, uh, you know, like, you and and other artists you know, let's say the person that you 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 may be representing you're basically saying to a company listen i have a value with what i'm providing for you and the person who i'm presenting also has a value so you know you need to recognize that value cuz i totally understand let's say a person saying well you know i want to get cast and you know it's a small company and you know uh, and a company may be pressuring another person well can you work for just a little bit of money we try to stress, and we've done this many times on the A, understand what your value is and don't be afraid to ask for your yep. proper value. Yeah, I think um, we just get ourselves into situations where, especially now, I, I don't understand, and I get it, I get the game of it, but if a company comes to me and says, we have this much money for the scope of this project, are you a good fit? And if you are a good fit, can we talk about why? Mm. That's all that needs to happen for you to get the Uh best people, right? Mm -hmm. That's it. But there's this game written into the system that includes bids. And I just watch, you know, videographer friends of mine who are are fighting to record theater productions because that's what we do now. Right. And they're underbidding each other for work that is extreme. I mean, to take in a play, the tone of a play immediately, figure out how to shoot it, how to provide the best experience for an audience. And you're not going to pay these people Right. half of what they're worth yeah it's 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 a problem and i i get it i i get it like the the topic of money is so complicated and oh. i just wish we were all more upfront about it yeah and i'm, I'm thankful strange that way yeah i'm thankful to be talking to other casting directors now who are willing to be open if not about what they make how they go about getting people, how we go about doing things. And that's all just going to help us. But I had to fight to build those relationships and to let those people know that I wasn't out to steal from them. That my curiosity was not because I want to take away their work. I just want to know if there's a better way to do my own work, or maybe I'm doing something in a way that would benefit you. And I'm fine sharing that stuff. Like, let's make it easier for each other. Yeah, it's it's complicated. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I bring it up because as artists, we think about the art, we think about being on stage or getting cast and just getting the script and focusing on the things we love to do. But, you know, the money thing is is also an important thing. There are lots of really wonderful artists who don't do this stuff anymore because they're like, well, I'm just tapped out and I'm not making enough money, but they haven't really thought about what they do as a business. And to conduct themselves as, hey, listen, you know, this is, and I'm not talking about, you know, game being cast at a startup or at a, uh, a young company that's just beginning. 
and they don't have the money. You know, sometimes you work on a project because you have a passion for it. Yeah. But, you know, you can only do that for so long. It's 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 correct for if a company has the money to to be fair. And so and I'm sure you advocate for that as well. Also, I also wanted to talk about the Leviathan Chronicles. I mean, oh. did you have a last point? No, no, no. I I um I think most casting directors, we we advocate for our actors, we fight for contracts, we um we we go to bat for you. And I think um there's a sense of, you know, we all feel like when we're cast in something or we've had to negotiate that we've been screwed a little bit. <laughs> so I just, I think if I can impart anything, it's that um, people have fought for you and you're probably getting what you can get in that particular situation. So if it's a project that will benefit you not financially, but professionally, there's value in that too. But just know that um, someone went to bat for you along the way. You're not alone in the process, even though it feels that way. Yeah, it's always wonderful to have someone in your corner. And yeah. I know, you know, I would love to have a casting director, you know, to someone, <laughs> let's say, get an arbitrary phone call from someone saying, hey, Kim Donovan suggested you for something. It's like, wow, that is fantastic. And even if I don't get it, it's like, wow, you know, someone was someone had me in the back of their mind. Someone was thinking about you, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. So that's I a wonderful thing. I wonder if there are folks that you've discovered or feel like you've discovered. I mean, they may me? be just discoveries for you, but people where you're like, I thought that person was really good. And then you get to see them actually blossom in the roles. I watch, um, do you guys know Terrence Smith? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Um, Terrence is already a great, actor, but he, um, I cast him in a, a role on a kid's show, Go Go Corey Carson, and he plays um, uh, DJ Train Tracks, who is a, a train that is the uh, personality of a show, kind of like a soul train for kids. Oh, that's um, awesome. And I watched him and I knew it. I just didn't know him well when I cast him. And I watched him just eat that role alive like he was just and I was um I was so proud of him not and I don't want that to sound maternal or you know mm -hmm. just in uh as a fellow performer you right. know it was just like yes go Terrence go um and I I tend to throw him auditions all the time because he's one of those people that if he doesn't get it it's fine yeah. we're friends we're okay he he knows my situation as much as i know his and uh he's he's he thanks me and we move on you know and it's just a really lovely relationship so yeah you know there's there's a few people that i feel very close to just because i got to watch them bloom in a industry that they hadn't played in before mm -hmm. so it's hard not to take a little a little personal oh, pride in that, you know? Uh, I, you may not know of her, but there was a casting director, Barbie Stein, way back. And um, yeah, it was very clear that there were folks that she felt, you know, she really kind of took an interest in their career, not just, you know, this knockoff or that. I'm losing my son. Casting. <laughs> um, you know, and yeah, it's neat to see casting directors. I, I've always thought casting directors have that power. 
and it's refreshing to hear you say that you're actually talking to other casting directors because I feel like that is a part of the culture and people don't always appreciate what happens when you've got the filter, which is the casting director, helping to nurture the talent, helping to uh, create the artistic, you know, this is what it's going to look like because these are the materials yeah. that I'm bringing you to work with. I have folks that um, sincerely ask when they don't get a part. Talk to me about my audition when you get a chance. Talk to me about why. Is it something that I did? Is there something I could do better? And most of the times there's not, right? Because you're matching their right. voice with 800 other voices and it has very little to do with, um, their performance was great. So it has very little to do with anything other than their voice didn't gel with you know, the lead that has already been cast. Right. But I will always take the time to listen to your audition and to give you feedback if you are indeed genuinely interested in getting better. And I know that not a lot of people do that, but I am also right. very aware of my, uh, that I pluck people out of an industry that they're in and toss them into a new one with very little information. Mm -hmm. So if I'm doing that, then, then I'm going to help you if you're interested. Right. Um, and I, I love that part of it. I love, I love, um, in the same way that I love coaching, you know, and getting, getting to help someone understand that they are emoting their hearts out, but their voices sounded the exact same in the three takes that they gave me. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But their bodies were <laughs> giving it their all. So it's so, uh, gratifying and fun to to play with um pushing the body out through the voice i just i love i love working with people in that way yeah it's a shame that we because we don't have enough time to talk about that plus leviathan chronicles because that's a whole <laughs> different uh, i definitely want to plug leviathan because i'm Let's in love it. with it yeah 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 i mean you guys how long have you guys been doing leviathan chronicles and for those who don't know and we'll have a link to leviathan chronicles but basically it's a it's like radio. It's like radio theater, but radio it's, play, it's yeah. It, yeah, but it's uh, based on a podcast and it's based on. Well, you tell me, uh, what, sure. what's it all about? It is a uh, episodic science fiction podcast. Uh, it has won awards. It um, it has an incredible fan base. I was um, one of their leads for you know fifty episodes. It's been on for a while. Dang. That chapter has ended so leviathan ended um but a company has sprung out of it leviathan audio productions they're based in san francisco it's run by uh christoph Lepuka, and he's uh, terrific he's um an ex-banker turned uh sci-fi creator he's got a real passion for story and um we are creating and I say we because I'm casting for them now, um, a spinoff called The Rapscallion Agency. And it mm -hmm. takes place in Paris. It's still sci-fi. It's still action adventure. There's romance. There's croissants. There's the Eiffel Tower. It's beautiful. Um, but uh, they are now in a position to be considered an official startup. They've got funding. 
Um, they have uh, ideas for multiple spinoffs. There's a desire for spinoffs from the fans. So um, it's just really exciting to have been a part of something that was a passion project and to see it just keep gathering steam. Mm-hmm. Also, because it's a podcast, people keep discovering it for the first time. So there's there's something really lovely about um, you know hearing someone say, "Oh my gosh, I just discovered Leviathan." When I finished recording, you know, a year ago, right? It's it's gone for me. I'm done. Right. But um, I can't wait for people to hear these the spinoffs because they're just. It's everything you love about sci-fi, right? The the villains are wonderful. The action is exciting. Um, I imagine it must be fun to create, you know, the villains and the because it's basically, you know, just uh, the voices and all that stuff. Oh yeah. And I'm looking at the website now. The winner of the New Jersey Web Fest 2021. So um, yeah. already, yeah. you know, um, people all over the United States are discovering the Leviathan Chronicles. So that is awesome. We are, um, yeah. It's it's international. The um, the the love, the fan love, and um, it's. Uh, it's exciting. I don't know. I never thought I would get fan mail. That's <laughs> I'm always shy because um, in a radio play situation, you know, everyone you you hear a voice and immediately assume what their face looks like. Right. right? Uh, so I'm always super shy to uh, present myself as uh, as the character McAllen Orso because I don't want to upset someone's, you know, if they've listened to me for that many seasons i want them to maintain their uh, their vision of my character uh, yeah. but my god what a great character she was like han solo and a archivist all kind of smashed together she just um so much fun i i got i got my arnold schwarzenegger lines you know like die you alien scum and <laughs> like that that is awesome yeah it sounds like it to, should be i wish it were a netflix uh series or you I, know well it should you know it's funny because um all of the streaming companies are now pulling from podcasts so uh it's important to um for actors to know performers to know that um there's a uh, a wealth of content being created from the podcast industry so so keep your ear out because um, listen to it, listen to the popular ones, listen to these, these shows, like there's, um, there's such value to it now. And we're all, you know, we're stuck at home still. Yeah. No, this is a perfect time to, to listen to podcasts and like mm-hmm. I said, the Leviathan Chronicles, you jump into it and, you know, since there's been so many episodes, 50 episodes, it just goes on and on. And now there'll be a sequel. So that'll be cool. Yeah. And it's fun to people get so opinionated, you know, they, you, your character makes a, a, a bad decision and, um, people, you know, hate you mm-hmm. <laughs> because they can't separate the, you know, and it's, yeah. it's well, fun. It's like, Oh, okay. We're yeah, okay. yeah You guys you know. are in it. I can't be mad at you for hating me. Cause you know, yeah, I get it. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's, it's really fun. So how long have you been a, vo- a voiceover coach? Um, and, and also you're, you're a coach for, uh, for doing auditions as well. Yeah. So I, um, uh, I started helping people who have monologues that they've been doing forever that they don't want to give up, but they want to, uh, tweak. 
So uh, I, I enjoy coming in and messing with uh, <laughs> your brain. <laughs> I enjoy messing with your, um, your interpretation of, of your monologue that you've got. So there's different options, right? So you know it so well that when you're doing it, you can use you know, whatever you're going through and make changes and have it be fresh. Um, people who are self-directing content often need some feedback when they've got a monologue or when they've got a trick in a scene. If you've written something yourself and need to make sure that you're not stuck in a rut, um, I, I enjoy those situations as well. And then for folks that are nervous about starting voiceovers or auditioning, um, I love Zoom. I love for this purpose. I love working with you. I love um, helping you with a moment before. I love working on your slate, you know, because we all do these horrible slates before an audition. <laughs> We're either dead serious. This is Kim Donovan. I'm a very serious actress. <laughs> and then you launch into your part or, you know, you're like reinforcing that you're the quirky neighbor like, hey, I'm Kim Donovan, and uh, and so it's uh, it's finding that natural. Yeah, it's so hard to be natural. It's almost like conducting energy. It's like you know yeah. whatever energy you have, either you have to boost it up or calm it down, or you know just find that nice proverbial mix. Yeah, so I just I enjoy. Um, I love actors. I love I love that one on one time. I love um, merging realism and and presentation. You know, and there's that that sweet spot in voiceovers because it's not it's not natural. It's not a natural thing to even what we're doing right now. You know, it, it doesn't feel natural to see you on Zoom and have a microphone here and naturally chit chat about stuff when I know that so many people are going to listen to it. So it's right, exactly kind of yeah, there's a structure finding yeah. those that balance where it's it's okay to acknowledge that it's artificial. It's okay to acknowledge that it makes your body tense. It's just how you use it that that really counts. Right. Yeah. So I I thought that would be easier to communicate um, when I was dealing with these high school kids this week. Woo! I would say that nervousness you feel, that's the character's nervousness. Let that energy be the character because we're not going to get rid of it. Mm -mm. <laughs> that takes that takes more work than we've got time for. So yeah. let's just accept that that's who the character is today. Yep. As more and more as I talk to actors and, you know, like doing the podcast, but also just in acting, where acting is more about controlling your energy and pushing that energy, using that energy to feed the character that you're doing. Um, it's it, it's always very interesting. And, and, you know, conversations like this reinforces that that concept. It's like, you know, you have an energy when you walk onto the stage or when you're in front of people that you've never seen doing an audition and you have to sort of ground yourself and you know, then you launch into it, you know, wh whatever that energy may be. Yeah. And just it's using okay. whatever you have. It's okay. If your hands are shaking, it's okay. Like we're everyone watching, you knows, like we know what that feels like. Right. So right. just go, 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 go. Don't try to, don't try to stop it. Um, I just, there's something, you know, uh, Sean Jay, who's directing dot, um, is very much, if you ask him permission, he'll say no as yeah. a point right mm. so he just wants you to do yeah just do he rough blocks 
right? And then mm -hmm. expects you to do, to go, to, to say, okay, I know I have to end up here because he's also painting a picture, but my journey to get there can be all sorts of stuff. And it's my job to play with it. It's not his job to feed me every single moment of it, you know? Yeah, um, he's, he strikes me when we had him on and he's also directed me. We um, Playwright Center for San Francisco, he's worked mm. in that. But um, he's very much, show me what you got, you yeah. know, uh, and then we'll work with it. But don't ask me to feed it to you. And uh, I, you know, that's, I, I totally understand that. I respect that as an actor. Yeah, it's it's fun. I um, I love being told what to do. And I also love uh, trying not to swear. I also love getting to mess with it as much uh, as possible, mm -hmm. right? Because I, um, I don't feel the same way when I come to rehearsal every day. I, I have a life. There's things that have gone on. And for someone to say, let it happen. Let, put it in there. Like, let's see. But don't, don't, don't shut yourself down, incorporate it. And it's so lovely uh, to, to get to play in that way and not, not be dictated to. Um, so yeah. he, there's a real trust there. Um, and, and I feel it. And when he gives a note, he means it, you know, like there's, he's a diva. He'll tell you that. And he's, he earns it. You yeah. know, he's, it's, it's not a faux, He's not putting it on like he, yeah. he takes care of you and he pushes you. I appreciate he's a, he's a, he's assertive. He's one of those directors where yeah. it's like, Hey, you know, this is where it is. And it reminds me so much of the teachers that I've had when I was in school. It's like, Hey, listen, let's do this. And because there's some directors who they don't want to hurt your feelings and right. they want to use, you know, very calming languages. And although I understand that that can sort of, you know, um, it, it can prolong the process. Sometimes you need a director to say, Hey, listen, we don't need that. You need to pick up the pace. And this is what we're trying to do. And let's oh, just, let's go. I, um, we've all either been in therapy enough or around therapy enough <laughs> to hear the, I'm giving you a compliment before I tell you. Yes. <laughs> right. And I smell that the minute it starts coming out of your mouth, I smell it and I don't want it anymore. Do you know exactly. what I mean? Don't waste my time. You Give it to me. Pat my ass. Give me yeah. my note. That's let's right. Give it about to me. It. Yeah. yeah. So it's such a funny, um, you know, we all smell that when we're being handled now yeah. and uh, yeah. it's, it's refreshing uh, to, to, to be able to say to someone, mm -hmm. um, I, I don't need that. It's also to bring it back to voiceovers. Mm -hmm. um, most people directing voiceovers do not have acting training and also have not learned how to speak to actors. Right. Mm -hmm. They are in a different industry time is expensive they need something for you from you so when they give a line reading right right you, you give them that back you do the line reading for them I'm, I'm around so many actors who get a line reading and they still want to mess with it and it's like no we oh it's just really mimicking you, yeah you know, do, do what exactly just what happened I tell you. yeah give them that for coverage and then you can play right yeah but they are nervous. There are producers in the booth. There's a script soup who's like making sure that we get all the lines in in time. And uh, you need to be okay with abrupt direction, line readings, yep. and not feeling great at the end of a session because no one is going to take the time to throw you a parade. Right, right. that's exactly you are, right. You're a tool 
in this huge process and they are thankful for you. They appreciate you, but they're never going to say it. Mm -hmm. And so it's a real jarring experience when you're used to people handling you as a sensitive performer. Um, And I have to remember when I'm working with strictly theater professionals to add a layer of um, softness back into how I speak with you because it's a different kind of creature. As, sure. As opposed to someone who's who's doing a voiceover and is there to to get in and out. Yeah. And to get out of your hair. So I, it's uh it's it's fascinating. Yeah. I had a question regarding voiceover, and I'm looking yeah. at the time as well because I know you have to get going. Yeah. We need um, to- <laughs> when to- do you work, Kim, with um? Because when I was in school, we worked with resonators, the chest resonator, to get the voice low, the mask resonator to really have that sharp you know, I don't know, piercing or, you know, like to yeah. have the sound cut through and the head resonator to have a softer sound. Do you work with, uh, with, with actors who do voiceovers? Do you do that sort of work as well? I, I, I do not. Um, there is, depending on the situation, uh, I don't have the time for that. Uh, I, I have heard you, you've given me an audition and that's, that's what I need. Um, I need you to listen to your audition before you come back in. So you hear what it was that you did uh, and you have to be willing to change it, but mm-hmm. you also have to know the baseline for why we brought you back into the booth. Um, that's on you because the direction you're getting is I need you to be taller. I've gotten that before. Sure. <laughs> I need you uh, to be sexier, which the minute someone says be sexier, you're not, right? The minute you start trying to be sexy, it all right. just goes away. Um, you need to be able to take what someone says and in not think, just do it. You yep. need me to sound taller? I don't know what the hell that means, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. But if you stop and think about it, you're not going to get there. Right. So that work that you're talking about, Reg, is on the individual. Yeah, that's the individual the work. Yeah. yeah, I totally hear you. I totally hear yeah, you. That's not on. That's not on me, and that's not on the company. And I'm not going to coax you there. I just need you to get there. That's my dog running back and forth. I hear that's you. Kind of coach, <laughs> kind of She's very excited. <laughs> no, but it is. No, it's been fantastic. You're just doing all sorts of. Well, you've always been a bundle of energy. You know, you've got the voiceover uh, training, and you have. Uh, Levine, although that's closing up, but you, ha- you know, there's chapter two yeah. and then you have dot, which is going on. So it is just fantastic. You're always a bundle of it. You always have a smile on your face. You know, oh. it's COVID, you know, you've got family things going on, but you know, I got my yay Jersey right <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. No problem. All righty. So uh, let's close it up. Uh, shout outs, birthdays. Of course, Kim Donovan, <laughs> you have your birthday. Happy what, birthday. I, Thank you, guys. Thank you. I've got, yeah, I've got a little bit of a list. Uh, Carrie Edel Isaacman is somebody I went to San Francisco State with. I believe she's now in New York um, acting, um, maybe directing a little. Sheila Balter is part of the Word for Word crew, these wonderful women who create this amazing work. And uh, she was my first director when I worked with them. Uh, we did a house on Mango Street. Uh, I would be remiss if I did men- not mention that this week is my wife's birthday on Tuesday, Mara Fox. Uh, Meryl Shaw was a casting director, I think, at ACT when I first got here. 
and then went on to work with other folks. I remember seeing her at a party a few years ago, and I don't remember where the conversation went, but somebody said about, oh, you know where the bodies are buried. She said, I can tell you where all the bodies are buried. So if you ever want more Bay Area history, Meryl Shaw is a great person to talk to. Hmm. Genevieve Jesse McCall, uh, her birthday's coming up this week. She's playwright. Um, been working with her a lot with uh, Playground. Uh, Bedelia Albanese, I believe I said that correct. Um, Bedelia and I last summer both were understudying for um, Pericles with San Francisco Shakespeare Festival. Her birthday's coming up this week. She is just finishing up playing Phoebe in As You Like It at the Masters Theater. Folks, I will be talking to very soon since I'm supposed to direct for them this fall. Oh, what are you uh, directing? I am directing um, compared to what? Hmm. I, I can send oh, you the Judith Offer piece. Yeah, I don't know it. Uh, it's a Ju Judith Offer, a local Oakland playwright about the uh, Pullman Porters and the boarding house that they're staying at this woman who runs a boarding house for the Porters. Awesome. Um, it's a neat piece. Uh, Wilma Bonet, I'm skipping a couple of names because I think you might have them. Wilma Bonet's birthday is coming up this week, uh, end of the week. Um, amazing actress. I've also worked with her where she's directed me and I know she's a teacher. She has been a part of the Latin theater scene most of the time I've been here. Uh, Brian Herndon is a name. I, I think I finally got to work with Brian after decades, but I kept hearing his name in Bay Area Theater and it seemed like he was all over the place. I went to see him finally once in um, Little Shop of Horrors. He was having so much fun on stage. When you see a performer who's totally hitting their marks, but also just dancing through it, they're having so much fun. Yeah. That's Brian Herndon. <laughs> Um, we don't always get to focus on producers as much. Matthew Quinn was working with, I believe it's where, um, um, not Cutting Ball, uh, it's the other little theater in San Francisco. Uh, why am I basing on their name? Um, anyway, uh, and it was weird because we were on the TV. Could it be Crowded Fire? Hmm? Could it be Crowded Fire? No, not Crowded Fire, no. Uh, Exit? No. Don't worry about it. Oh, sorry. It's a C. It's a C name, but I, I can't think of it right now. Um, custom made. Custom made. That's it. Yes. I, I don't think it was custom made. There were two theaters in the space when they first were getting up and running, and he was a master at managing that. I was on the service theater service committee with him, and it was always fascinating to hear what he was thinking about. And I believe he's down in Hollywood now, hopefully still doing that. He's, he was so creative. Edward Webster is a local actor I got to do Lobby Hero with, um, you know, and he, it was, uh, Lobby Hero, the main character is a dream role, and Edward was so precise in it. I got to, I got cast in the show again a couple of years later with a guy who was more like a goofball. Both aspects worked on the play. It was fascinating mm -hmm. to watch. Um, skipping that name. Did I get everybody else? I think I did. Wow. I got through my list. Oh, okay. So my list, um, Paul Plain, his birthday was uh, two days ago, and uh, he is an actor that I um, I was on stage with. We did Women on the Verge of Nervous Breakdown, also on the 17th, Richard Wenzel. He is a, a longtime um, actor who's worked with the Playwright Center for San Francisco. Um, Mara, happy birthday, Mara. Her birthday is um, uh, February 22nd. Happy also birthday, on, Mara. <laughs> also February 22nd, Jocelyn DeLeon, who is a, a ex-Bindle stiffer, 
and um, I, uh, I think I worked with her when we did Stories High in 2011. Also, uh, February 22nd, we had Melissa Mambuis. I don't know if you remember her, uh, Norman. She yes. was the woman. Yeah, she, um, I acted with her. We did Great Gardens, and uh, she told a really wonderful story about her dealing with, um, I forget what her disease was. Um, I, I'm going to botch it, but in any case. Like one of those fatigue? Was it the fatigue thing? Exactly, yeah. Uh, and uh, how she, you know, still was a working actor while dealing with this, you know, uh, generative disease and um, and still sort of, you know, just having autonomy over over herself. So we want to thank her for that. Also, February 22nd, Manny Cabrera, that's another ex-Bendel stiffer, and uh, he is his birthday is February 22nd. Um, on the 23rd, Alan Byron, another ex-Bendel stiffer. <laughs> also on the 23rd, Conrad Panganaban famous uh, uh, writer, playwright, and also a bendel stiffer. Yeah. On the 24th, Kina Cantor. She is a uh, actress and a violinist. So we want to wish her happy birthday. Huh. Also, also on the 24th, I think you saved this for me, uh, Lily Tongue Crystal. Yep. Who uh, was a, she was the founder of, oh shucks, Ferocious Lotus. And now she's in Minnesota. And we want to Doing say uh, thank Moo, you. M-U, Moo Theater. Theater Moo, yeah. And so uh, happy birthday, Lily. And the last one that I have is Sarah Corda. We were on stage. We did 100 years of political theater. This was back in the East Ender days, 2005, 2004. And we did a Carol Churchill piece far away. And I have no idea what she's doing these days. I hope she's back still doing acting because she's a fantastic talent. Oh, I forgot one more. Um, Misty yeah. Ann Lutterell. Misty Ann Loterrell and her birthday is February the 23rd. Beautiful actress. Uh, we did, this is a piece that Susan Evans uh, directed. It was a uh, theater, uh, what is it? Commedia dell'arte piece, um, a Lorca piece called um, Don Perlimpling. And she was the muse and uh, the whole audience was just mesmerized by her. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea what she's doing these days. Actually, we did an interview with um, the Capozzi's, one of the youngest um, interviews that we've had on the Yay. And they were taught by Misty Ann. So apparently she's doing teaching. So happy birthday, Misty Ann. Happy birthday to everyone. Um, shows. I, I, I Baldwin. The Baldwin Project. I, I've got that on my list. And, uh, and then next Saturday at six o'clock. <laughs> yeah, at the Bayfront Theater, Fort Mason, 6 p.m. And tonight, uh, as you like it, at the Maskers is closing. So that. Is it tonight? No, I think they actually closed last night. I think for some weird reason they closed on Friday. Ah, so Playground San Francisco, they have uh, their new topic is what the world needs now. Uh, part oh, of wait, Monday Night I'm Playground. That Monday. That's right. You are directing on that. I think also Kimberly is Kimberly Ridgeway also directing too. I think so. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Yumi Kobori has wrote pieces for it as well as Lisa Kong. Um, and so check that out. That's February the twenty first for Playground. Uh, we mentioned the Baldwin Project. Uh, February the nineteenth today at the Peralta Hacienda House, three p.m. I, Shay Angela Aceveda, and Erlina Somero will be, along with other folks, will be in that. Uh, Viet Gong, City Lights Theater, will be uh, doing Viet Gong, which is a Jeffrey Lowe piece. And that will be uh, March the 24th through April 24th. So that's a while back, but, you know, you will, we'll be advertising that as it goes on. The Mountaintop. 
tomorrow is their last night, mm. the Pear Theater. Damaris is, is in the mountaintop, and so you should check that out. Yep. Uh, ending tomorrow. My Hate Letter to the Great American Theater, Shotgun Players is doing that. That also ends tomorrow. Uh, we had Golda Sargento, a.k.a. Rebel Maria, who is featured in that, and uh, she's in that show. Carmen, Opera San Jose is, is uh, doing Carmen, and Brenna Kimmerly, who is, was in episode 203 of our show, she is in that, and that ends February the 27th. Escape from the Asylum. Central Works, that is the play that Gary Graves is directing, Alan Coyne is in, Jans Leifler is in, March 17th through April 17th, so check that out. Yeah, I can't wait. I'll, I'll actually be doing box office for some of those dates. So oh, very cool. That's, a, that's part nine. two, right, of the Ladies Detective Agency? I, I, I no? think so. <laughs> yeah. Also, of course, we're going to pump Dot, the new oh, conservatory yeah. theater. Come see March, Dot. Exactly. March the 4th through April the 3rd. Kim Donovan, Kimberly Ridgway is in the show. Sean J. West is directing it. We have a link. So check that out. Also, the Hollow City Lights Theater is um, doing the Hollow. That'll end March the 6th. Amy Yumi Kabor, Amy and Yumi Kabor is in that show. Uh, we've talked about Dr. Stephanie Johnson. She has a class teaching on lighting. For the Oakland Theater Project, The Magic of Lighting, we have a link to that, and that'll begin March the 7th through the 28th. And there are a couple of podcasts that I'll push. Barry Graves, uh, he has a podcast, The Black Man's Heart, so check that out. Mallory Samara, KCBS Radio, she also does that. That's her day job. And she has a podcast called Collect, Connect the Dots, which is a weekly news podcast. Also, Bindlestiff has the Fobcast, exploring Philippine-American immigrant stories, so check that out as well. That is it. Um, Kim, did you have a good time? I had a great time. I miss you guys. <laughs> I do. I, yeah. I, you're part of my, um, my first experiences in, in Bay Area theater. And I, uh, I think about you all the time when stuff pops up. So uh, I definitely, I, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And also people should check out your, uh, your, inter your in what is it? The IMDB page, because oh, every, oh. every time an actor, every time someone clicks on an actor's IMDB page, it helps the actor out. You know, uh, you can say, hey, I got a bunch of likes or I had a bunch of clicks on my thing. So an internet movie database, I think that's what it's called. Let's check that out because you've done a bunch of things, a bunch yeah, of independent yeah. films. There's a, um, another Kim Donovan who is a uh, sexy pirate in the midwest and uh <laughs> so make sure you're clicking on uh the, the correct right kim donovan. donovan this one who is not a sexy pirate you're, you're the other this kind could of be though i'm the other kim donovan <laughs> yeah yeah all righty so we want to thank everyone and before i forget we've got yay jerseys come check it out i've got this right here i'm gonna have to reverse the um because this is backwards no it looks it looks forward on my screen Oh, does it? Okay. So yep. maybe when I push it, it'll uh, be forwards or backwards, but check it out. We have the pinstripes. We have the white, we have the black. Kim has one. We, you thank know, you. a bunch of folks have been buying it. So we want to thank you for supporting the A. It's $30. Come um, just DM me if you want to um, purchase one. And uh, you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, so like, and subscribe, tell us what would you like, what you don't like, um, give us suggestions, give us any feedback. It always helps out the show. If you're listening to this on the traditional podcast app, we're on all the purple podcast apps. If you have an iPhone or an iPad, we're on Spotify, although I think we should probably not be on Spotify anymore, but uh, 
because of the controversy. They were bad, uh, <laughs> they were bad people. Exactly. And if you're an Android user, you can use the SoundCloud app or just go on soundcloud.com and you can find us. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Our Twitter feed is the Yay3. I'm at um, Red Space Clay. And I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. And Kim, I think you have uh, Instagram or Facebook. Uh, I know you're on Facebook, but you yeah, don't have Instagram. Uh, I think and, I'm uh, Kim, Kim Sudan on, on Instagram, and you guys can find me on Kim, just Kim Donovan on, on Facebook. Yeah. There you go. So that is it. Uh, I'm going to grab something to eat, and then I will see you in another three hours, Norman, as we do the Baldwin Project. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to get over there and set up in about an hour. Yeah. All right. Thank everyone so much. And as Norman and I always say, we gotta, gotta find. find a, a better, better sign up. And we are out. <laughs>